the final score, Wrexham 3, Como 2. First time we've beaten an Italian team, although I know it's not the Wrexham team and it's not even 11 aside football. And it's not even really football as such, but you know what I mean. And then Wrexham 12, the US women's national team veteran side nil. Huge entertainment the first day of the soccer tournament. And oh, lots of innovations and lots of unusual things to talk about. But essentially, I mean, let's just get back to basics first. This is all about Wrexham growing the brand, um, becoming more known. The way that we are being discussed on social media, in the commentaries, you know, it, it is a little bit mind-blowing, like so much goes on with Wrexham. They are talking about us like we are football royalty. I'm enjoying that. And, yeah, it, it's been fun. I mean, the, the actual football itself, you know, as we've talked already, it's not the real Wrexham team. We have a couple of current players, a couple of legends, a couple of players with no actual affiliation to the club. And... Yeah, it's it's fun. It's good. We enjoy it. And beating Como, yes, second division Italian team. They've got Catrone up front, who destroyed, say word, in the second game. Absolutely sensational. Um, but we handled him pretty well. They are players, a few of them, who've been playing in Serie B in Italy. And yeah, we, we showed up well against them. So it's just brilliant fun and brilliant to see some of these old Wrexham stars on the pitch Lee Trundle has clearly become a cult hero, he wasn't able to make much impact in the first game, made a hell of an impact in the second though, so um, maybe just firstly looking through those games the Como game saw us with a lot of the ball, it moved it around well, uh, but Como got a very early goal, Wrexham doing it the traditional Wrexham way that we've got used to since the takeover where we let a goal in in the first minute and we don't panic even though we actually go 2 0 down, we still come back and win with the last kick of the game. Not that you have much option in this format other than to score with the last kick of the game, but you know what I mean. So it was an heroic game in that respect. At 1 0 down, I mean, we still looked to me the better side in terms of possession, but maybe we're taking a touch too many sometimes around the edge of the area. Uh, Lee Trundle wasn't being able to really get much change out of their defenders, and he was getting crowded out. Uh, when Andy Morrell and then Louis Lloyd came on, they, they gave more movement up front and we started creating more. And to be fair, the Como goalkeeper made a string of excellent saves. But let's be even-handed about this. At the other end, Mark Howard made equally good saves. It was the sort of game, you know, going into the last minute, it was 1-0 and it, it could have been 5 all easily. And then we got caught out. Uh, looks to me uh, could be wrong like our defence just maybe forgot for a moment about there being no offside let a striker run offside but of course you can do that and so he ran in and from a tight angle drove a shot which poor Howard with momentum going towards the goal really couldn't do much about he was very unlucky and that goal really changes dynamic we go into the extra periods where you've got to score one more goal if you're winning or that amount if you're losing and you know it looks pretty grim certainly watching earlier games they weren't teams weren't turning things around in the final period at all but Wrexham were brilliant came back got free that great strike by David Jones and then the winner from Boyd a sharp predatory finish was I think just rewards we did ever so well could have scored a lot more in the normal periods and it was it was great to see uh, Grimshaw was good in midfield and looks very controlling 
Uh, Grimshaw, by the way, is the guy who's described as Gresham in the commentaries, just as Murkovich is described as Morkov, who was a leadout uh, rider for Mark Cavendish, wasn't he, in, the, the, in cycling not so long ago. Don't reckon it's the same bloke. Although I can't get too cocky about that because in my preview yesterday I talked about Dan Jones of Barrow and Port Vale. I, I'm going to make an excuse. I did that because that's who the TST's website said he was, but it wasn't. It's Dan Jones who was with us, came up through the youth system, and I used to teach him, so I should probably know who he is. Top lad. Sorry, Dan. Uh, he did well in both games, by the way. The second match. Now then, the second match... It was interesting to hear Dave Jones on the sides of the pitch afterwards, or during the game rather, being interviewed and saying that we learned a lot from the first match. Well, the, the first obvious difference was that we really packed that starting lineup with youth. So there was an uh, almost complete absence of the veteran players in there. And the young lads had their legs ran. There was lots of movements. We pushed on straight away. Now, I think to be fair, you've already seen in their first game that the U.S. women's team, you know, the, the, some of their players, as I said in the preview, really were players from a much earlier era. And maybe that was a team you'd expect to get at. And obviously, we dominated them. It was 12-0. Um, but that pace and movement early on, Louis Lloyd, tremendous up front. Dan Jarvis is loving it, cutting in from the left on his right foot, trying his little step-overs and roll-overs, and they were working. Um, were really, really impressive. The score could have been horrible, were it not for the facts that Lindsay... Hang on, I've forgotten. Harris, wasn't it? The goalkeeper. That was magnificent. Just absurd. She had a blinder. By the way, for one of the other teams, just if you're going to get worried about goalkeepers, is Alexis Andre, who was the goalkeeper in both games last season for Maidenhead and pulled off strings of saves in both those matches. Let's not come across him, please, anytime soon. Um, but she was brilliant. She made so many good saves. The double save she made at the start was absolutely top draw. Trundle was in his element and was able to use his physicality and pin defenders and roll them. And he scored five. Uh, Boyd got a couple as well, didn't he? And yeah, it was just impressive. The other thing I noticed, I think, concerned about what have we learned, we were now using, especially morale, the approach of running offside. So I think we'd worked out, having seen what happened in our game and maybe watched some of the others, exactly what sort of strategies worked and Morrell constantly got into good positions. But I've got to say something as well about Andy Morrell, the poor bloke. Oh man, he still hasn't scored. He must be so frustrated. That first game, there was amazing clearance off the line where he managed to get around the keeper and shoot. And a defender from nowhere came and launched himself and managed to head it onto the crossbar and it bounced away. And then in the second game, he had another moment like that. I mean, firstly, the keeper denied him a few times of good shots. But then he had a chance where, I think it was a save from one of his shots, if I remember. He got to the loose ball. It was an open goal, but it was a very tight angle. But he hit it perfectly, it looked like. The ball went across goal, hit where the post met the ground, span back up awkwardly, and somehow managed to spin along the line and not go in. So poor guy, he's waiting for a winner in the final, I guess. But yeah, it was really enjoyable Love to see players like Carrington and Rutherford as well back on the pitch. Scott Butler was enjoying himself, trying to drive forwards from the fence. And Mark Howard's, well, it looks very impressive. It was great fun. Dan Jones, very energetic, up and down. Cavallo, the other American lad. He and Murkovic looking decent. And yeah, it's, it's great fun. So going into that last game against Say Word, the odds are stacked in our favour. 
Now, if two teams finish level, we it'll go to uh, their head-to-head -head clash. So, theoretically, our goal difference doesn't help us much. But if I've read the rules correctly, and that's a big if, um, then the thing is that if Como don't beat the women's team, then we're through anyway, already. Como surely will. But if we lose to say word, then there'll be a three-way tie. They'll look at the head-to-heads. Obviously, they'll all be equal. Um, and so they'll take into account goal difference, which then could help us. So, well, let's see what happens. Um, I've got to say as well, I saw quite a lot of the say words game against Como. Como winning, of course. And it just illustrated how well we did against Como. I mean, they are a team full of Serie B players. Um, you know, they didn't all play a lot last season, but a few of them did. Cutrone was, you know, two seasons ago in the Premier League and playing for Italy. And he was just sensational against, say, words. He just kept getting the ball in midfield, driving forwards and just smashing the ball in from outside the box into the bottom corners. He was superb. Um, which showed how well we did against him because he had the odd moment of danger, but we handled him very well. So that's a that's a bit of a compliment for old Scott Butler to take into next season, isn't it? Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting tonight. And Sayward showed enough to suggest that they will test us. Jota up front from Gambia is a huge target man. Um, I saw Dennis Lawrence in the dump in Wrexham yesterday, and he looks like a chunky version of Dennis Lawrence. And so we're going to have to, you know, have our hands filled handling him. He scored one goal, classic old-fashioned long ball in the box. But then, like I said, don't take my word on anything, because I'm saying about not being sure about the tiebreaker situation. Well, apart from that, um, remember that yesterday in the podcast I mentioned Dan Jones, and I said he was the guy who used to play for Barrow, because that's what the TST website said. Well, it's not. It's our own Dan Jones, who's come through our youth system. Um, and I used to teach him, so I should have known. Once we came on the screen, I started thinking, hang on a sec. And the other thing, of course, is that one of the rules, which the referees just don't seem to be applying at all, is goalkeepers can't kick the ball long into the other side's half. But all the keepers are doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot I can't work out. But for once, I'm not alone. And the other thing I suppose to mention, because generally looking at some of the other games, uh, they're very entertaining. But there was, of course, a rather sour note, the last thing they, that the tournament organisers would have hoped for between Dallas United and West Ham United, um, where basically I believe Dallas have been kicked out of the competition now because of an accusation that racist language is used against one of the West Ham players. Well, if that is true, then good, well done. It's right to send them out. And again, the tournament showing that it can handle itself sensibly. Um, watching through the end of that game, ooh, it was a bit uncomfortable because watching it knowing something was going to happen, you could see it all brewing up. West Ham had gone two down. They didn't take up well to it. They had a player running in the box. For me, a blatant penalty on him. The defender put his arm across him and actually grabbed hold of the inside of his collar and pulled him down to the ground with his shirt. It's a penalty. Well, every day. The ref didn't give it. Um... West Ham were not amused. The ball's placed the halfway line and a West Ham player just clotheslined a uh, uh, Dallas player. Oh, it was not nice. And the ref didn't give a foul. And the ball rolled on to another striker and Elliot Ward just went right through him, just nailed him. And the ref did get a free kick in yellow. But it was all bubbling up and the game was halted for a little time while players were complaining about that. You had two Dallas players rolling about on the floor and it all got very unpleasant. Um, 
it wasn't clear exactly when anything was said or what was said there were long conflabs on the side of the pitch when they got together for that ceremonial toss for which end to kick towards the extra period um, initially a West Ham coach was there with the Dallas captain looking a bit confused and the coach was talking to the referee and then walked away and the referee seemed to be expecting West Ham's captain to come up so he could do the toss but instead uh, David Martin was the son of Alvin Martin isn't he the goalkeeper who played a bit for Liverpool um, he comes up and you, although the commentators were talking you could hear snippets in between and you could hear him saying we're not playing and then the referee saying, well, that's your decision then. Then you couldn't hear a bit more. And then you could hear the referee saying, well, look, I was there and I didn't hear anything. But West Ham, look, they looked certain that they knew what had happened and what had been said. And quite rightly, they stuck by their guns and refused to play. And obviously, the inquiry into it has fallen in their favour. So that's a really unfortunate thing to have happen. Let's get back onto the fact this is a fun football festival and enjoy ourselves have a look what Wrexham do let's hope we can get through and, and get into the knockout stages where anything can happen so with a final score hang on a second of Wrexham 15 the other side 2 I quite like those numbers I'm Mark Griffiths from Wrexham AFC